You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Whoever covers an offence seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbour who is near than a brother who is far away. In the last few weeks as we were watching soccer, the World Cup, that when the Matildas or when any team won, they'd run together at the end of the game because feeling joy means that we're drawn to each other. But if teams lost, they'd just sit on the pitch by themselves feeling disconnected. But the, the goal is to feel connected. The goal is to run to each other. That's what you're playing the game for. We love feeling part of something bigger. We belong to a nation or we share each other's values. We want to pursue common goals here at church or in our own uh, lives. In fact, in that, in that period when we were watching the soccer, 30,000 people decided to go Amy Park to watch TV together. Because the game wasn't happening in Melbourne. The game was happening interstate overseas. But still 30,000 people joined together because somehow watching it together, feeling part of something bigger, satisfies the soul. We're born for something bigger. We're born for something bigger than me. We live in a culture that likes to express itself and uh, show what we're feeling, get things off our chest, of course. But there's something more important than expressing yourself. The, the, the more important thing is that we feel together whatever we're feeling. There's a, a writer who writes for the New York Times. He's written this recently, an article called, Hey America, Grow Up. This is a paragraph he wrote about where Western culture is at. 
He wrote, we're cut off from the moral traditions and the normal sources of meaning and identity. This culture has pushed us in on ourselves, made us self-absorbed, craving public affirmation so that we can feel good about ourselves. But by, say, 2010, it began to be clear that we were in the middle of a mental health crisis, rising depression and suicide rates, an epidemic of hopelessness and despair amongst the young. Social media became a place where people went begging for attention, validation and affirmation, even if they found rejection there instead. The instability of the self has created an immature public culture where impulsive, dramatic, erratic and cruel. Maturity, now as ever, is understanding that you're not the centre of the universe. The world is not a giant story about me. Isn't that a great line? Maturity, now as ever, is understanding that you're not the centre of the universe. The world is not a giant story about me. No, friends, we need to belong to something bigger. To be healthy as human beings and to be healthy as Christians, we need relationships. We need to feel connected. Our culture just produces narcissism and immaturity. So how do Christians think about being mature? How do we think about living a life that's not about me? Well, Louis preached it last Sunday. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, orienting our lives to the Lord, fearing Him, which just means running towards Him, running towards the Lord. That's how we get wise. That's actually how we get mature. The book of Proverbs starts by saying the fear of Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then for, for the rest of the book, it gives us wise Proverbs about how to be mature because we've feared the Lord. There's lots in the book of Proverbs about how to be a friend and how to have a friend. And if we are fearing the Lord, running towards him, we'll work out how much better we can connect with each other. We need the Lord and we need friends too. Listen to this proverb. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We can have a whole lot of people around us, but we crave people who stick with us. Or in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. We want those people who stick with us even if times are hard. We need friends. We need friends in fun times and we need friends in hard times. 
We need to love everyone. We need to love our enemies. But there's something reciprocal. There's something deeply satisfying about a friendship to whom we can give and who can bless us, encourage us in return. Now, there's no one right way of being a friend or having a friend. I have 25,000 friends on Facebook. Most of them I've never met before. That's one way of thinking about friends. But that devalues the currency. There are some cultures in the world where there are different ways of saying the word you. There are formal ways, there are informal ways, so that you can sort of judge how close or how distant the people are around you. Australians are desperate for friends, especially later in life. Did you know that 25% of Australians live alone? A quarter of all Australians live alone. I'm a single man. I live alone. I get it. And there's an enormous number of people in Australia who live alone because of divorce. So this is a quote from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. Relationship separation tends to result in an increase in loneliness across ages and genders. However, the effects are more pronounced for men than for women. Recently separated men are over 13 times as likely to be lonely than married men as opposed to twice as likely for separated women compared to married women. There's lots of loneliness. There's a particular loneliness amongst men who are no longer married. The Proverbs speak about how to grow up and the Proverbs speak about how to be a friend. We need friends. We need to invest in our friendships. Friends help us make sense of the world. And we want communities like this. But what does a community like this have as its bedrock? A whole lot of brothers and sisters who are friends with each other. We need to put time and energy into our friends. And in fact, you guys learning to be friends one with another and those around you will be the most magnificent witness to your neighbourhood, to your suburb, to your town. Because Australians don't do friendship very well. So if you guys do, you can be a city on a hill quite literally because people will look at the way you have friends and think, my goodness, where do they get that from? Now, there are different kinds of friends. There's the kind of friends who share common circumstances. They live on your street or you send kids to the same school. And the Proverbs say this, Proverbs 27.10, better is a friend who is near than a brother is who is far away. You might have blood relatives who live at a distance. You need the folk who are just nearby. They give you a sense of belonging to something bigger. You might not know them very well. You see them at the school gate or in the playground or in the coffee shop. 
people you can smile at because you you know their face at least. We need those people. During lockdown, uh, I would walk along the Mooney Valley Creek each afternoon where I live and you'd see the same families with the dogs, the kids going on their five o'clock walk as I was. Now, I didn't get to know them particularly, but it was so reassuring to smile. We're all in this together. It wasn't just me who has experienced this. We're all under the same kinds of suffering. We need to feel part of something bigger. We need those kind of friends who are kind of incidental. We might not be close, but we need them as well. Get to know people on your street. But we need friends who not only share our circumstances, but friends who share our commitments who are committed to the same kinds of things that I'm committed to, who, who want to build relationships that are not just circumstantial but are meaningful. Deep? The Proverbs have this to say, Proverbs 26, 18 to 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbour and says, I'm only joking. To just be superficial, to just joke with each other, it's, well, equivalent to throwing firebrands, arrows and death. There's something we need more than just joking with people, right? We need to feel like we're getting beyond the superficial. As you are doing here in your church, in your small group, people in your household, in your political group, in your union, in your book club, in your gym. These are not just random. They're not like people on the street, right? But they're people who are committed to this idea or this practice or this goal. We need those people that we've made a choice and they've made the same choice. And so we find ourselves aligned with them. They give us a sense of belonging where our home is. I go to evening church in Melbourne, in Carlton. I'm often preaching out and about on Sunday mornings, but I need that group of people on Sunday nights. I don't know them really well, but together it's a predictable pattern of being together. We share deep things in common, even if I don't share my soul necessarily or get to know them well. But we do need not just the people in our street or the people in our church. We need a few friends who are committed to my soul care, who are committed to me growing up, finding that which is not just meaningful but lasting. We need friends who are helping me be a Christian, someone who has the same delights as me, the same affections as me, the same kinds of loves and prepared to sacrifice themselves for me. This is what Proverbs 27, 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, but the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. We need someone who's going to say some hard words to seriously address me and my issues and my concerns. Or Proverbs 27, verse 6, 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Have you got people in your life who are close enough to hurt you, to say things that sting a bit, to say things that make you feel a bit uncomfortable? We need friends on our street and we need friends in our club or our workplace or our church, but we also need those friends that Proverbs say, say that are going to speak words to my soul. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Just because people kiss you a lot, show affection to you, doesn't necessarily mean that they're a friend. I went down to the Peninsula Hot Springs a few weeks ago with a friend. We manage it about once a year uh, just to sit in the hot water basically for eight hours sharing our soul, talking about what's going on in our lives. It was a great day. When he got home, his wife had had her small group that morning and the wives in the small group had said, we wish our husbands had friends like that. Jerry reported it back to me and I realized that we were especially blessed to be able to share our soul concerns and spur each other on individually to love and good deeds. It might not be that those people are very close geographically. I might not see them every day. And it might be that we don't share many hobbies together, but we do yearn together for the city that has foundations and learn to help each other see our lives in the light of the glories yet to come. And when I spend time with a friend like that, every part of me feels more alive. Every part of me feels more integrated. I feel more whole. Healthy attachments, healthy friendships, are a sign of well-being and the bedrock of a life that's flourishing. When the philosopher Aristotle was asked what a friend, he said, it's one soul inhabiting two bodies. That's close. So how are you doing, brothers, in your friendships? How are you doing, sisters, in your friendships? Are you making space for them? Have you got just friends on your street that you know how to smile at, though they are important? Do you have friends in your workplace, in your club, that you share a common task or hobby? That's wonderful. And do you have friends who you can reveal something of your soul with? The scriptures, the Proverbs encourage us in all three areas. And of course, we can do all three at church. Listen to these words from Mark chapter 10, 10, 28 to 31. Peter began to say to him, we've left everything to follow you, Jesus. Jesus said, 
Truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus saying, Yes, of course you've left your brother, your biological brother, your biological mother, your biological father, your biological children. But if you've done that for my sake, you'll receive a hundredfold more in this life. That The friends we have in church, these are some of the most precious relationships we have. Now, it might be that your biological family is here at church with you, all the better. But if not, in this fellowship, we have something really precious. The people sitting around you this morning can help you mature as a human being, as a Christian, and can encourage you in your friendships as well. Jesus is saying, really, nuclear families are not the meaning of life. Your biological family is not where you find your most profound meaning. If you're single, it's not a fate worse than death. We are heaven brought forward. We are learning to live like we'll experience in heaven. And Jesus says at the resurrection, there will be no marriage or being given in marriage. We can forsake so many of the things that our world prizes and still find deep satisfaction here. We need to develop friendships here as well. Or listen to these profound words from Jesus in John chapter 15. 15 verse 12. This is my commandment, that you have love for one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide. Jesus calls us friends. It's extraordinary. The one who made the world, the one who renews the world, the one who will come back to save the world. That very person calls us friends. We have no blood relationship with Jesus. We're part of his family through adoption. He makes us his friends by sacrificing himself for us and by revealing himself to us. If Jesus calls us his friends, if Jesus used the language of friendship to describe how we should relate to him. Surely learning from Jesus means we can be friends to each other. 
Friends, we can be friends with Jesus. We can do life with Jesus. We can share our heart with Jesus. Jesus can speak hard words into our life. Jesus gives us that deep sense of attachment that we need as human beings who are lonely and so often feel disconnected. If we learn to be friends to each other, we can be a magnificent witness to the world. Not only of what it means to be friends here, but what it means to have a friend in Jesus Christ as well. So please, make sure you're making space to develop friendships in lots of parts of your life, but not least here. Friends based on geography who live on your street, friends who have common hobbies or tasks, and friends who are prepared to sacrifice themselves for you, that you might sacrifice yourself for them. So how should you develop your friends? Well, the first and most important practical application is learn to ask questions. Ask questions about the people who are around you. Not bantering, but just asking about their family life, their background, their work, their choices. And listen carefully to the answers. Don't start already formulating your response before they've said what they want to say. And then when they've said what they want to say, be surprised by what they've said. Be surprised by what you weren't expecting them to say. Curiosity is one of the primary ingredients in learning to be a friend, no matter if they're close or far. And having been curious, work out how you might commit yourself to their good. And here at least, committing yourself to being here at church regularly. Church is not just for Christmas, it's for life. Church is a place where we give ourselves freely to the people we meet with week by week. Rearrange your schedule so that you have some space each month in getting to know someone a bit better. We all want community. We all want to feel like we can belong. That's a very deep human need. But more than feeling like we want to belong, we often take shortcuts to try and feel that belonging. No, being friends is just a hard slog. Listening, loving, serving, caring. One American poet, Emerson, said, the only way to have a friend is to be one. Friends, if you want to be mature, you need to learn to fear the Lord, run to the Lord. That's the basic posture for maturity as a Christian. But one of the most basic strategies for being mature as a Christian is to be a friend and to serve your friends. If you want to grow as a Christian, one of the most basic strategies is invest in friendships.
For as the Proverbs say in 27.17, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.